0: Welcome back for the very, very first time tonight.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: To uh, All Crossed Out. It's Wednesday night. We're All Crossed Out after a series of technical difficulties. And by that, I mean, Jen and I told a very nice story here to nobody.
1: (laughs) We told it to ourselves. Like, we often tell our At some point, I
0: was like, why are people in chat not reacting to this amazing story? And just like, (laughs) and saying stuff like, where the fuck are these guys? I'm just sitting here. (laughs) Anyway,
1: where are these losers? They're yes, late. now I
0: swear I did a sound check. I don't know what happened. Anyway, we're here now. Anyway. Hello, welcome. <laughs> welcome. After a week where we skipped a week because I was sick and couldn't talk and uh, that's it.
1: Yeah, literally couldn't talk or do much of anything else for that matter.
0: Uh, yes. So anyway, um, we're here uh, to not talk about some of the big, sad, depressing, serious topics of the uh
1: because we don't feel like it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and you, you know, we try to divide it sometimes. Like, if this is an unofficial division because, you know, if something like really major happens, mm-hmm. obviously we'll talk about it here. But we tend to kind of try to keep it to the more kind of pop pop culture or kind of more lighthearted I don't know it's the evening you want to maybe sit down with the drink you don't want to hear about a school shooting I
1: guess yeah we don't want to hear about the, the, the trans school shooter or how the government is literally trying to invade your whole digital privacy we'll talk about that on Sunday though yes Sunday exactly. that's a good thing for your weekend right <laughs> um, you know, that'll be great for your Monday morning just yeah. a great dose of just happy uplifting stories to listen to on your way to work on Monday morning exactly exactly
0: uh, and so anyway, I think we're going to I think we're going to just uh, talk about some, some random stuff. You know, we always kind of bleed into other shit, but mm-hmm. uh start with like uh uh, we're just going to nerd out a little, I guess, over like Tears of the Kingdom and maybe some Mandalorian and uh, other things. Love is Blind Season 4, which is just – Oh, my God. We can we can, we can can talk about that too.
1: I was going to say we might not even make it to like the whole New York Times weird, bizarre, still yeah. ongoing trans Well, it flew, it
0: flew a little under the radar, because, I think probably because of the shooting and because the shooting is also kind of tied into trans stuff. Right. But yeah, there was a, an article about how the New York Times like – called in a whole bunch of the people who like riled up the newsroom against the New York Times's trans coverage and were like, "Uh, you're harassing your fellow employees and you and knock it off now," right?
1: Right. And so apparently they went on like this whole hunt to see who was the culprit. We're going to catch the <laughs> We're going to catch the real killer. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I mean, I think it's I think it's uh, it's interesting, but you know, between that and what happened at Stanford uh, with them standing very strongly against that D.E.I. Dean. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Tristan. Yes. Uh, no, Tyrion. Tyrion. Steinbach or something like that.
1: Fucking annoying ass names. Yeah.
0: Between that and the New York Times really kind of not, uh, like, deciding that they've drawn a line in the sand. Because, again, the New York Times has obviously, as we know, plenty of like "Quote unquote pro," because tra- it's not anti-trans and pro-trans, right? Right. It's I, I, I'd put it in like uh, writings that are in line with what like the trans activists would like, like the kind of perspective that they would like highlighted, and also perspectives that they would not like highlighted, but that I would really not call like anti. Rise to the level of anti-trans. We're not talking about like a Matt Walsh type, mm, yeah, right, thing, right. And so, the New yeah, New York Times
1: isn't writing articles about what is a woman like. No, questioning like, okay, youth transitioning—is this really a good idea?
0: Yeah, well, and and so and and uh, and so because of that, again, they they decided that they're going to draw some kind of line, and that they're very un, not okay with you know what's going on at the newsroom and how. People there are essentially like you know by and they're arguing because you know after the whole Tom Cotton thing the whole thing was like oh mm-hmm. you're putting staffers at danger and the, the Times said you're painting a target on your coworkers' backs and you can't you can't you can't really do that.
1: I mean, plus it's known now for years that the New York Times it's just. A particularly toxic place to work. Like yep. I don't I, I mean I get the prestige of saying that you work for the New York Times, but my God, must that suck?
0: Yeah, some people uh, some people Jesus. like want to have wanted to work there their entire life. And uh, It's
1: like, yeah, some, at this yeah. point you're like, do you really want to? <laughs> Look,
0: someone someone who I will not name, uh, but that like was a kind of a high profile departure from a different outlet to the New York Times. Uh, I spoke to this person because I had some kind of theory about why they left. And what they said to me was, no, I was offered my literal dream job at the Times and I took it there. Um, and so, you know, people in that field still probably look at a place like that and think, and by the way, this person was not, you know, the kind of person who would have been bullied by the the mean girl crowd out, like right. someone I mean, who's guess, more in line with them ideologically.
1: Well, I mean, plus, I guess it, it kind of depends on like what department you're going into per se about how firewalled you are from the the whole slack channel guillotine emoji posting bullshit
0: yeah and so i mean it's just interesting to see some places feel like the the, they've been pushed a little too far and that they they need to establish some kind of hard line for themselves. It's just an interesting, I'm not going to go rah, rah Stanford. And I'm also not going to rah, rah the New York Times editorial staff, obviously. But it's, I'm saying it's inter, it's sort of interesting to see from the side, from someone who's not in that world and not on that nominally on that political side, right?
1: Right. And I think it's a little bit of like room reading too, where it, like, I'm not saying that like all of this nonsense is going to like stop overnight, but it, it feels like people are starting to understand that like your average person is not cool with certain things and with certain attitudes and like certain behaviors and so like okay it was it was fine to be a certain way at the new york times like 3 years ago but now it's like people are kind of over it and people are like kind of turned off from the publication as a whole so when you're running a publication i mean yes it's journalism and all that stuff but it's also a business and you also do have to be concerned about readership and what your audience is looking for and i think it's just reached a certain point where like certain certain behaviors people are just like really turned off by and so you have a choice like you can either lean into that and bleed audience or you can put the kibosh on it and in the process make a better work environment for everybody because you don't have to deal with like this weird bullshit of people trying to like bully you via slack.
0: Yeah. Now, and you know, the whole, there's like that go woke,
1: yeah, go get woke, woke go, go broke. broke
0: or whatever. I think that's a kind of an oversimplification. I think right. it's more than, it would be more accurate to say that once you get in the shit, mm-hmm. you go broke, like it's not like once you get involved, you are really usually better off in a status quo type situation where you're like, I'm just going to lay like sort of hands off, I think outrage over your silence is never going to be as loud as outrage over whatever it is that you say and then take back and then try to qualify and re-qualify and all that crap. Like, you know, because there was an article about, God, we're, we, we're not going to go there. I'm just saying, I'm just going to mm-hmm. mention this in in passing, but there was an article I saw today about how corporate America is silent on this shooting and where's the where are the corporations to whatever. Uh, anyway.
1: Right, I... Good. Please yes. don't stop. Corporations, please stop involving yourself in cultural please, issues. Please, yeah. thank you. Please help <laughs> stop us. Stop it. Please
0: help us, capitalism. You know, it's like it's weird need, that I that's need, your savior. I need but.
1: M&Ms to tell me how to feel about the school shooting.
0: Yes, exactly. I can't figure
1: it out by myself. I need like nike to tell me how to feel about transgender people. yes
0: i need skittles to weigh in on <laughs> medicare expansion
1: <laughs> thanks brand
0: yes th- thanks thanks for yes exactly thanks,
1: thanks capitalism Part,
0: it used to be silence brand and now it's thank you brand right um anyway uh so uh tears of the kingdom yes uh to people who don't care about video games <laughs> good luck to you <laughs> um so Yeah, interesting things afoot, right? So the new game in the Legend of Zelda series called Tears of the Kingdom is coming out May 12th, which is like six or seven weeks away, something like that.
1: Something like that.
0: Uh, And yesterday or the day before, Monday? Monday, I think it was.
1: Was it? Yeah. Was it? yeah was it yesterday
0: was it yesterday whatever either yesterday yesterday or monday we got the first like gameplay from it this game has been in development for six years okay now here's an interesting thing it's kind of
1: like the winds of winter of zelda games it's like it's coming like okay (laughs) well yes and no because
0: because because these kinds of gaps in development are not unheard of what's unheard of is something that i'm going to get into in a second so the 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 previous game, Breath of the Wild, which is like multi-critically acclaimed, it's considered groundbreaking in the genre, in the open world genre, in many different ways. There's lots of criticisms. There's a lot of valid criticism. I have, even though it's one of like literally like the best games I've ever played, I have a... CVS receipt length.
1: <laughs> you got receipts.
0: Complaints about it. UI stuff, stuff it could have done better and different mm-hmm. and whatever. But, you know, like you, they say, you like something for its, like, virtues, but you love it for its flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had to, like, invent a whole game and build a whole world and stuff. And they did that in five years. This game is using that world nominally. It's not, they've changed it in some right. ways that, that were, are not clear yet but they didn't need any of the time that it took to develop that world right. to just iterate on the design of that one world. Six years, right? And a thing that I discovered recently, this is the biggest Switch game ever in terms of like the raw like downloads hmm. by a lot. Like what's Bre- the file size? So breath of the wild was 13 gigs. Mm-hmm. This is 18.2. Ooh. And so not only is it like, you know, a substantially larger game than breath of the wild, it's larger than like Xenoblade Chronicles three, which is a gigantic, gigantic JRPG. And it is like 14 or 14 and a half gigs. And so, cause a lot of people think like, Oh, this looks like a glorified DLC, different abilities, but the same thing. But like, that is literally impossible like you like the number numbers wise and i do think they're still like keeping a lot of it Mm -hmm. under wraps but i do think that okay because 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 the the whole the whole base of the the previous game like the thing that broke the mold and stuff was the idea that the that breath of the wild has essentially one goal Right, you finish the tutorial of Breath of the Wild, and then you get a quest marker, and the quest marker says, "Kill, get, defeat Ganon." That's <laughs> it, right? That's your quest marker. There you go, defeat Ganon. There's other right side quests and stuff, mm-hmm. but that is literally a quest marker that you get right at the beginning, and you could just go do it. Like you could literally just go do it. Just watch speed runs. Speed runs of Breath of the Wild are like the the tech, the glitches mm-hmm. are only about getting to Hyrule Castle quickly. You could just walk there right and and with us uh, you know with like a small sword mm-hmm. beat the game it's it's not even that difficult if you know what you're doing right it's all about the sandbox and letting the world kind of carry you around into game power ups and stuff and um and this game looks like it takes it even further than that in letting you like craft your own weapons craft your own kind of vehicles and so the question is how much more open will they make it so that these amount of abilities won't make everything trivial right they're gonna have to kind of gate it in other ways and i'm very excited to see what they did
1: right because it's kind of like games like breath of the wild where you have like that one goal and like theoretically you could start the game and finish it in i don't know maybe an hour or two if you just want to go do the one thing and then like you finish the game but the point is like you play the game to play the game. Like you do your little side quest and you do little temples and you learn things and you go places and all that good stuff. And so it's not like essential to beating the game to do all this, but it's part of like the fun of playing a game. And so in tears of the kingdom, they showed in that 10 minute clip, they actually showed more than I thought they were going to. Like they actually showed like, Oh, Hey, look, link has new abilities. You can do neat things. You can like, just float through ceilings mm-hmm. and you can just take sticks and rocks and mush them together and now you have a weapon and how fun is this well
0: here's the thing they mm-hmm. almost certainly took away all of the so 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 another another sort of design breaking thing that breath of the wild did is in other zelda games you go do a dungeon you get a power up and you slowly build these power ups breath of the wild are like now nah, we're going to give you all the power ups straight up from the from the beginning we give you bombs we give you magnesis we give you stasis And here I think it's going to be the same thing, but with these, like, four core abilities they showed us, Fuse,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: uh, Ultra Hand, Ascend, and uh, what was the fourth one? Um, Recall? Recall, the one that rewinds time. Uh, And I do think that all of the stuff they showed us is from, like, the tutorial section of the game. It's all fighting those little construct enemies mm. they're all holding wooden sticks i do think that's all the beginning i i really do think there's going to be a ton that they're sort of keeping well,
1: yeah the divine course. beasts
0: right okay. like above average joe says if you go fight the divine beasts and defeat them that means you don't have to fight those ganon sub minions at the final battle it's all someone said it it's very uh it's very uh immersive sim in the sense that like There's one goal and everything else is just prep, right? Like the, it's like a hundred hours of prep to Mm -hmm. go fight someone and like, get, like I said, get kind of caught up in the world and go do things and let the story kind of carry you. And yeah, I, I do. I, I, like I said, it's so it's what, like 30% file size larger, um, it's uh, and the the amount of time that they had, and they they clearly left a bunch of systems alone. You know, people criticized Elden Ring about this, about how it used some like reused like hit, hit animations. It used some combo hits mm-hmm. and stuff from like Dark Souls three, and someone said like, wait, if those are like amazing, right? If they're great why for what purpose would you do them from the ground up if you could use that time to do other stuff that's good you're like yeah i have a good hit combo animation that we made for uh for dark souls 3 and so if you have a similar weapon to that like why would i spend you know dozens of like animator hours making a thing that'll end up pretty similar right and it's only the like it's only the game the people who hunt shit like that would even notice, right?
1: Right, and I kind of get the criticism because especially if you're talking about a game like Elden Ring, you're talking about like a premiere game. Like you don't kind of want to see recycled content. But again, like there's only so many ways that you can program. Swing a sword. Yeah, yeah. like there's only so many ways you can do a thing.
0: Right, and it, it's also a trade-off, right? Because because there are, there are lazy and non-lazy reasons to do these things. The non-lazy reason is... I want to spend a hundred percent of my time like on things that I can improve. If I have a door opening animation that looks great and I don't need to spend, you know, a week doing another door animation, I can spend that week doing another animation that doesn't exist in dark souls three. That's a non lazy. You're like, you're effectively like offloading some stuff that again, 85% 85% of players are not going to look at it and go, oh, this is an, an animation from Dark Souls 3. I didn't play Dark Souls 3. And even if I did, I don't know that I would notice. And even if I noticed, I don't know that I would have cared.
1: Right. But like I said, I can see why people would. But again, like, it's, I I, I mean, you're, you're doing the same mechanics. Like, there's only so many ways you can program that. So, I mean, why kind of also like you said like why waste time reprogramming the wheel here
0: it feels like an anger that's based on like on paper like you said like it's a it's a new expensive game and so everything in it should be new but like that that's also not true because like Take, like, let's say you you buy a more expensive TV, like a a better Mm -hmm. model than the TV you have. It'll come in the same fucking plastic housing, right? (laughs) Like, the shit inside will be better, and you'll go, like, oh, you didn't make a brand new plastic to put around the outside? It's like, no, because then we can sell it to you cheaper because we already have the fabricator and the molds to make this one plastic shell. Like, I mean... It's, it's, it, it's all about what you do and why you do it like that. Like where it, cause you're not cutting corners, right? Like I said, you're freeing up dev time to do more things. And because Elden Ring delivered so much shit, it would be hard. Like nobody can complain that it was lazy asset reuse. It was like a good idea to reuse some of those assets.
1: Right. But let's get back to the tears of the kingdom mm-hmm. gameplay. Okay, who who is that nice little Japanese gentleman who is the lead designer that did the gameplay? Oh, you know, uh,
0: see now I'm having a, a brain fart cuz I'm tired, Cause but we, I...
1: we need to protect him with like everything because he's so precious when he's doing the gameplay. Oh, he, sure. No, <laughs> he's I know so they're so cute.
0: It's uh, come on, somebody tell me cuz I fucking <laughs> it's uh, what's his name? Um, um.
1: And it's like it's funny to say that because I mean, the the guy's Japanese, he's speaking Japanese and there's clearly like like a yeah there's like an english voiceover but it's so cute how it's like oh look and oh yeah
0: yeah
1: in breath of the wild it was him
0: and uh it was him and uh and the guy who like created zelda playing it together yeah
1: he's like oh look now we can we merge things together and we can make a boat and then you can find little like fan propellers for the boat so you can go across the water it's like oh my god he's so precious yeah it's it's so funny
0: and it's it, it is a japaneseism like the way that he does it kore what and what is this now what is this over here shall we go explore let's, and let's
1: it, we'll go look at this over here it's
0: it's kind of fun and i i do think that there is a kind of uh and like an all ages aspect to it, right. where like a little kid watching this would right. find it like just as engaging. And you would be like, "Oh my god, he's so adorable!" And a kid would like a kid would understand it, like, "Oh, what is this? Look, you click here, and ho!" Oh. Right? You know, because like, I mean,
1: Zelda is an all ages game, which is also something that is becoming increasingly rare nowadays. Is like you have games that are geared towards children, and then you have games that are geared towards adults. But this is a game that like. I mean, if your five-year-old wanted to play Zelda, I mean, there's nothing objectionable in Zelda that you wouldn't like want, like a, a like a young kid or a preteen or somebody to play. You're not like killing people, and there's like blood gushing yeah, everywhere, yeah. or anything crazy going no. on, or anything like and that. And I've, I've
0: heard from a lot of people that they played uh, Breath of the Wild with their kids. Yeah, and there is it, it's a game that you can very easily like not pay terrible attention to the story you can ignore challenges that are hard or daunting or scary right um and still you know like do whatever
1: have fun yeah
0: yes it is very good in that sense and and i really can't wait till the to see what the like the the crazy game people do, because there's breath. If you go look for like viral like Breath of the Wild clips, you know it's been many many years since it's out, and there's all kinds of like amazing quick kills and people built contra- weird contraptions using like Breath of the Wild stuff, and uh, it's just gonna be amazing to see what people can create. They're gonna like Minecraft it, right? People are gonna make builds like big machines and stuff. Um, I'm excited.
1: And I actually just thought about something, it's especially like the criticisms about video games. And I'm like, oh, they're for kids. And I just thought, but like, you know, when was the last time that like a game like Breath of the Wild or Tears of the Kingdom came out that was genuinely all ages? Like, most, especially most premium games nowadays are geared towards adults because you're not spending anywhere between sixty to eighty dollars on your kid to play a video game.
0: And you're making a, and and uh, you're making a point that uh, I remember when the Switch was first announced. I remember thinking, what a stupid idea. Consoles are moving in like more powerful directions. They're putting out some kind of thing that's like some weird high handheld regular hybrid or whatever. And not only was I really wrong in the sense of like it being like a really fun thing that's mm-hmm. both mobile and stationary, but they do deliver, like you say, experiences that are big and like, uh, polished, but also like sort of more all ages than a lot of like, you know, like a horizon forbidden West.
1: Right. Or, uh, yeah. yeah. Games like that. Like you're not, I mean, you would want your kid to probably be well into their teenage years before they play any of those games. And also like the switch, just like the actual form factor of it. It's good for kids. It's portable. You can take it with you. They can play it. Like, like when, us us old people when we had you know game boys and stuff um that was the whole concept and so like having like the little portable gaming system it's kind of like the updated version of a game boy but yeah it's good for kids and they can play you know and you can like stardew valley or animal crossing or whatever and
0: you can like play doom eternal on it if you want i mean it's it's not doesn't run very well but again (laughs) i mean the point is like you can put like quote unquote like big boy games on it right um and um Yeah, their first $70 game, like I said, which which once again, if they – because Nintendo is weird, but even Nintendo with their weirdness, they understand that a game that's been in development for this long that reuses this much of the previous game's sort of engine and world and whatever and is like this much bigger, if it doesn't deliver like – Subst- a substantial amount of like novel content they're gonna look really fucking bad their first seventy dollar game right and it's th- that 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 means a lot right because for the other console games to start charging seventy dollars they needed something like the last of us part one right, right. a million millions of dollars ground right. up uh a latest gen remake there needs to be justification. And uh, yeah, they got a, they have a lot to deliver on.
1: I feel like it's gonna be kind of the same conversation that happened when Metroid Dread came out where people were complaining about the price tag versus like the gameplay, because I mean you can do Metroid Dread front to back and I mean it's really not a long game and people were kind of like, oh, it's not this isn't a 40, 50 hour game, so why did I just pay sixty dollars for this? Blah blah blah. But it's like it's what it, it's not quantity it's quality and that's always going to be the argument and there's always going to be people that are going to be especially with tears of the kingdom where they're going to be like oh this reuses so much of breath of the wild and what am i paying for and blah 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 it's like you're paying for the experience shut up and play the damn game
0: yes but also again we're talking about this is uh, like every time you break a new price tier because 60 60 dollars is full price triple a game Right. That's right. like the thing. Right. If you charge less than that, that's always like uh, acceptable. Mm-hmm. But now you're breaking new ground. You're going to the higher tier. Like I said, that other, the o- only uh, way that other companies were able to justify it is this is the latest gen. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, much like you're the latest gen. Um,
1: <laughs> that, that is a deep cut inside joke right there. <laughs>
0: um, so, uh, so, uh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> I, just I just got what you're meant. Um, like they were able to justify it in like that, and like we're developing for like the most cutting edge and that requires more work and it's we're working with better tools or whatever. What is what is gonna be Nintendo's justification for a $70 game, right? And, and so again, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna have high expectations. The thing that made me optimistic was that these systems are so deep, they appear to be so deep and so sandboxy that you're really gonna have to have some world that is able to contain it. Like in the trailer, in one of the trailers, one of the vehicles that they built had headlights on it. Mm-hmm. That was an interesting thing to me. Is there gonna be underwater? Are there going to be – because a lot of these engines you saw, they have like a charge, right, mm-hmm. where it runs out. Is there going to be something where you got to go out into an island that's like farther away in the ocean or something like that? Are there going to be – there's a lot of potential for secrets, for ingenuity and exploration. Uh, I mean I, – and yeah, a lot of uh, – like a, a large weight on their sh- – like of responsibility to fucking deliver. Like I'm I'm – yeah, I, I will be very upset if it's not because I've, you know, I've been a stan, obviously. <laughs> so I don't I don't want Nintendo to disappoint me. I don't wanna have to have defended this for so long for nothing.
1: Right. And I'm sure it'll be fine. I mean, Nintendo is not known for just pushing out like whatever shit, whatever, especially not on a marquee title like Zelda. Like, I'm sure it'll be fine.
0: You're right that Zelda is because they do it. In other places, a little bit, but Zelda, no. I also have the same feeling about, by the way, about Silk Song. The more it, the more it stretches out, without <sighs> us hearing anything, and the more it takes and whatever. And uh, um, and we we do know, I think we do know that it is now like in in heavy play testing, which means it's you know like towards Soon. the end of development. But again, allegedly, for it to just be a bigger Hollow Knight that has a lot of the same stuff, but is like bigger and it's new enemies and stuff, that's not gonna cut it. It's not going to cut it. It needs to be, it needs to iterate. It needs to do things because Hollow Knight, plenty of complaints about that game too. It's pacing. There's a lot of areas that are essentially unfinished where you're like, there where there was definitely going to be a big boss fight here or, or stuff like that. It's kind of uneven in how the, the stuff is in it. And again, one of my favorite games mm-hmm. of all time, right? But if you can't find at least 10 things about your favorite game of all time that you don't like, you're probably in a high of like recency i think i think it's actually good to find things about a game that bug you um just as a you know just as kind of a way of like developing your own taste and critical eye and then you know when you when those things happen you know to your satisfaction Mm -hmm. it'll make you enjoy a game more
1: right and it's not like you can you can like something and still have criticism of it it's like that's, that's another thing that kind of is very weird about our current cultural situation of being able to say like, yeah, there's I generally like a thing, but sure, I have criticisms of it. Uh, but you can't... It's like you either have to be all in or all out. But speaking of things with all of the budgets and expectations <laughs> and and all of that, now would be a good time to pivot to Mandalorian because yeah. we can actually talk about because we didn't do last week. So we actually have two episodes we can kind of discuss that's
0: true that's true the last episode that was the one with the the foundling right right where they go rock climbing to go save a a thing but i I think (laughs) on both in both of the a child (laughs) yeah in both of these episodes i've been saying this a lot because you know again some people don't like this show for various reasons but the action, the the budget, and the action on this in this season are just re- like remarkable, like oh, really yeah. rival like movie like the movie mm-hmm. stuff. It looks amazing, and it's well conceived. That's I, I keep saying that. Like you don't even need something to have all of the budget. If you plan a chase well, and you have kind of cool ideas for it, and you go and you execute them in the way that you visualized, it'll be good.
1: Right, and the, but this also does have all of the budget. Yes. Especially this last episode, and by that I mean the one that actually dropped today. The one that dropped last week was actually very interesting to me because I think that was actually the shortest episode of the series run. I think it came in at like, what, 36 minutes? Or
0: something like that. Yeah, it was pretty was, short.
1: Yeah, I was surprised when I saw the runtime because I was like, okay, this is really short. so they're normally anywhere between... 45 minutes so i think the longest one was like a tick over an hour
0: Mm -hmm. and it does look like both of these episodes kind of served their purpose as a mini arc was to kind of uh bring the sort of the mandalorians kind of together to you know that's the Mm -hmm. kind of uh, the arc of of these two episodes is like them becoming essentially like a fighting force a united group more than just like a bunch of like the covert separately bocaton separately and din mm-hmm. separately now they're all kind of like a kind of yeah. like a
1: everybody's becoming one big happy family
0: yeah yeah saving each other's sons and whatever mm-hmm. um and uh yeah again we don't have to go into too many spoils. the reason we named the episode the way it was i thought it was very funny because because i do think mandalorians are kind of libertarian in a way and yeah they're like hey look at this world there's no, no government technically rules this place and they're going to give us some free land where we can just do our right. own thing.
1: Right. So not to get into spoilers on the one that just dropped today, but we do go back to Navarro and we go back to the idea that, you know, Din Djarin was offered like, oh, you can just come live here. I'll give you a tract of land. You don't gotta like be roaming the galaxy anymore. And so now we're kind of circling back to that idea of the whole little mandalorian family that we got going on now and there's there's a series of events that happens in this episode like i said i don't want to do too many spoilers but we do learn some pivotal plot points we learn that um we'll be seeing moff gideon again yeah i,
0: I presume at yeah. least that's I mean, what that they're was... setting up yeah but... yeah i don't think i don't know if a carlo esposito has been confirmed for the season but i mean you could probably you could probably but, safely assume,
1: but yeah, it's it's confirmed that um Moff Gideon is not where he's supposed to be. Yeah, and
0: animated. <laughs> so there's, and there's two things that are also happening. Like one is like fans of the animated shows are freaking out because there's a lot of animated stuff that's slowly converging on this. There's a character in this episode who's known from the animated series and stuff like that. Uh, the other thing is, it seems to be they seem to be trying to like retroactively uh improve the sequel movies in the same way that a lot of what's going on now the the clone wars series Mm -hmm. the rebel series and stuff is trying to like make the prequels better you know a lot of flashbacks Mm -hmm. to the prequels and stuff are kind of fleshing out shit because it is starting to show the new republic as a like a weirdly detached bureaucracy that is just a non-evil but 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 you know equally as kind of ineffective empire which then because in books because you know there's all kinds of books that explain why leia broke with the republic and started the rebellion instead Mm -hmm. and all kinds of stuff like that and they're they're saying like some people are saying like it looks like what that's what you're doing here where by the end of this whole mandalorian story you'll kind of get an idea of why the first order happened and i mean sure good like i have nothing invested in the sequels anymore so i don't care but like just tell me a good story a fun story like i don't that's it i don't need you to like i don't need the promise of filling in canonical holes i'm just like do do a thing that i can enjoy watching every week and that's that's all i ask
1: i mean i don't mind filling in canonical holes but i i made the point when we were watching it that a big plot point or kind of like a meta plot point in andor is showing how the Empire was really just like a big dumb bureaucracy. This episode of The Mandalorian is kind of setting up the idea that the New Republic is just a big dumb bureaucracy and like it's the same thing where you got like, oh, there's like, again, don't want to give away spoilers, but there's a whole scene where somebody realizes that um maybe some things are askance out there and maybe the empire is trying to rebuild and there's some things going on and so he tries to go and get reinforcements to go over to Navarro because there's a situation going on there. And basically you got to go to, you know, the office and do a requisition. And they're like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't know. You know, it's Navarro. It's all the way out there on the outer rim. They're technically haven't signed their amnesty agreement. So, you know, I uh,
0: yeah, it was, <laughs> it was Tim Meadows, that guy. That was very funny. Um And yeah, like the idea of like a, like a bureaucracy mm-hmm. that has a million, you know, and, and, and it's not, the thing is, it's not the banality of evil and, or shows you like the banality mm-hmm. of evil in the empire. This is more like, look, the banality gotta,
1: of paperwork. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: like, like we got, cause, cause in fairness, a lot of these people that they're showing, it's not that they're like a oh, fuck them. Right. He's like, mm-hmm. I got 75 other planets right now. And, mm-hmm. the, you know, and they're actually, in the republic, yeah,
1: they're actually part of the new Republic. So. There's, uh, there's,
0: uh, to me, the the best because you know Captain Marvel, un, kind of unpopular character, right? Also, like Brie Larson, unpopular actress mm. or whatever. But to me, the one part that really uh, explains her character is in uh, Endgame where they say to her like where have you been or whatever and she's like you know you're not the only planet that had half of its population Mm -hmm. disappear and it's like yeah she is i mean she is human but like for her entire life she lived like on another planet and she's like yeah there's other places that i'm helping right now like i'm not like i understand i'm human but like you're not you you guys are here the
1: world doesn't revolve around earth you know yeah
0: (laughs) well like and you guys are taking care of shit here i got other planets to take care of it so yeah a lot of these bureaucrats are like Look at this pile of chits I got here, right. and it's all things. and I gotta whatever, yeah, like like serial car, a serial car, and an andor. But yeah, like the idea is, we, we can't, like, yeah, we in the like you said, it's all buried in red tape. It, it almost makes sense that the first order was able in that kind of mess to kind of slowly you know like Mm -hmm. uh uh embezzle materials funnel money Mm -hmm. between chairs and stuff to kind of start building up stuff that's interesting for sure
1: much the same way they showed in andor the rebellion being able to basically just like steal from the empire at will and like nobody really notices or cares because like they don't notice or care right the fact that
0: cyril and dedra were like (laughs) like essentially like violated all the rules because they couldn't let go of this thing. Right. Right. If they had done anything that their supervisors had told them, then Andor wouldn't have been a problem like that, that heist on the, you know, like the, the credit heist, right. Nobody would care, but they were like, no, God like, damn it, like right? Like, there's
1: something going on here. Yeah. It is a little bit
0: like the mirror image of what happened in this episode with the guy who was like, no, I'm going to – I don't care that my superiors don't care. I'm going to go do something. But in their case, it was like for evil.
1: Right. And so this is, a, again, a situation like in Andor where you've got one person who's like, this – something – something ain't right here. Something is going on, and we need to pay attention to this. And the New Republic's like, "Oh, it's more of a – <laughs> um another thing I
0: liked in this episode was it showed it was one of the first times I've seen in these like star wars t v shows and whatever where uh people who f- are fighters kind of looked like they knew what they were doing they were mm-hmm. kind of covering each other and moving through like the 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 town and stuff in uh whatever you call it in a yeah, the, covering pattern yeah
1: the Mandalorian were working in a very nice tight formation we got. Team one, team two. Yeah, right. Boca, Bo-Katan's running this shit. Right, right, team go. Right, team go. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. Uh,
0: yeah, um, and like you said, all of the budget, all of the budgets. Lots oh, of cool creature designs. So beautiful. Some really, really good uh, ship battles, and not just this episode, like this entire season. Like right. Lots of really some uh, some epic uh, epic ship battles, and uh, I think I think that's about it. I think we can talk
1: about. Um, Well, I do want to talk about because we didn't talk about the, uh, the season before the episode before this one, because the big reveal in that one was we do actually get the sequence where we show how Grogu escaped the temple. Oh, of course. Of, of Order Sixty Six, because that's always been the question. Is like, okay, how did he get out of the temple? Okay, and so there's the meta
0: aspect of what happened, and the in world. The in world, right? Mm-hmm. He was rescued by Jedi Master Keller and Beck.
1: Right. Woohoo! Uh, by the way. Mm-hmm. Jar Jar.
0: Yes. Okay. So yeah, that's the meta thing. But hold yeah. on. Yeah. Ahmed Bright. Yeah. So so first of all, here like, an interesting thing about Jedi Master Keller and Beck, quote unquote, is that Disney Plus did like a Legends of the Hidden Temple style mm-hmm. game show that was like Jedi. And he was in it, played by Ahmed Best, Keller mm-hmm. and Beck. And he was like a goofy, yeah, whatever, Jedi character. And they were like, nah, we're going to do it for real. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Ahmed Best, the actor, the body stand-in for Jar Jar Binks, in the prequels, who was, you know, much like uh, Jake Lloyd, who played Anakin, was um, like mercilessly mocked, See, I considered suicide. Like, yeah.
1: I, I remember, like, because obviously I remember when episode one dropped. I remember the criticism, but I didn't realize that it affected him that badly. And now I feel kind of shitty about Look, it. Look, uh, the things. Because, I mean, we, we savaged Jar Jar Banks.
0: Yeah, no. So, okay. So people think <laughs> we were, that. We were mean. People think that the internet is really cruel to people and stuff. If you go watch – because I was talking about Amanda Bynes, I think it happens, when she, when, when she now – she got re – she got put in a yeah, mental institution or something like that. When she was like a, a child star, like a Disney whatever, in the time of like uh, the Olsen twins, Lindsay Lohan, uh stuff like that. The fucking shit that people allowed themselves to say about these kids in public, and we all laughed. I, we were young, you know. Mm-hmm. At least it wasn't us saying the things like we were laughing at it. But stuff like the, you know, the the countdown clocks to when the right. Olsen twins turned became 18. turned eighteen, and then they did it with Lindsay and Britney Spears. Like, and and the yeah, and the fact that like, let's say a kid like Jake Lloyd, right, does the stars in, it. and like every night, like talk show hosts would make fun of him, a kid, right. So people think now there's viciousness, but actually now you also have a lot of people who will like defend, back, yeah. right? Like defend people like that. You know, if people had gone after Ahmed Best today, you know how many takes out there would be about like racism and mm-hmm. it's, you know, what a minstrel, it would every take, right? And he would have had a lot of defenders and a lot of like, love, like people would have shown him a lot of love because yeah, like he fucking... That's ridiculous to like make fun of him for that, right? Um and so it's a kind of a cool, like, you know, like a re- redemption exactly, but right, like, you know, like they gave him they gave him a cool role. It's a kind of a make good. And I'm always I'm always up for make good. Spider-Man Far From Home was mm-hmm. an amazing make good, right? De- essentially their new Deadpool movies were a make good to Ryan Reynolds, who always mm-hmm. wanted to do Deadpool and was tasked with playing the worst Deadpool ever. Mm-hmm. um, I, Yeah. I like, I like stories like that where it's like, Oh, we're going to bring you back, but this time we're going to do it. Right.
1: Right. And so we finally got the answer to that question. And also it was, we, we also got some very cute Grogu fighting action in that, that last episode yeah, where they're kind of the, the idea is that the armorer was like, okay, well, if he's a foundling, then he needs to start training because that's, that that is the way, and so we get a cute little fight scene, and so we get, and we also get. I, I like how they handled that particular scene where they basically like made it a flashback for Grogu because he's in there in the forge with the armorer, and like the noises take him back. Yes, claim. to that moment. Claim. Yeah, it takes him back to that memory, and we get to see like that whole extended scene of how he got out of the temple. Now there's still questions about how. Okay, out of temple with Din Djarin. what happened in between there? There's still questions of whether this was just like, did he make it out of the temple by just like blind luck or was somebody actually looking for him? And so
0: clearly there was some yeah. kind of plan to get him out there and uh, bring him maybe to Nabu, because that was the ship and the people in the ship with the Naboo right uniforms. So maybe it was Jar Jar Pinks. Maybe he's <laughs> taking him to <laughs> the Buddha. He's taking it's, him to Boss Nass. Hi, dear child.
1: It's the Grogu. I would be so happy to see you made it out at the temple.
0: <laughs> We're gonna get like a Natalie Portman cameo or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, but again, once again, the thing I like about this show is I got no idea where it's going. I don't no. know what's going to happen with Grogu. I don't know what's going to happen. I like that, and it, yeah, it might take seasons, and you know, it's like the, with the with the 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 place this season ends might not be the most satisfying thing ever, but whatever, I don't care.
1: Right. I mean, and if it's a situation where this show basically takes you up to the formation of the first order, the way Andor is going to take you up to Rogue One, like I'm, I'm fine with that. Like I'm fine with it having like a specific sort of. End date, as it were, where it catches up to things that already exist, and then you can go forward from there. That's fine. Yeah,
0: I mean, and also, I mean, I see, I see huge value for Andor as its literal own thing. You don't got to right. watch Rogue One. You don't got to watch anything. Yeah, no, you
1: don't. Yeah, I was you have, you don't have to watch Rogue One to watch Andor. In fact, you could. I would almost suggest at this point watching Andor and then watching Rogue One because then you're going to be watching like a whole continuation of a character's story arc. Even
0: now, even if you just watch it now like season 1 of Andor mm-hmm. and then Rogue One it already enhances mm-hmm. and we aren't even i think it's going to be three I think Andor's going to
1: be three Yeah, seasons, I think they're two seasons three.
0: I can't remember. Um that's funny Kit J if you follow certain internet theories Ahmed Best has now played both a Jedi and a Sith Lord yeah Jar Jar Sith Lord Jar Jar is very funny (laughs) it's a very funny theory and my favorite thing is like they analyze in Phantom Menace there's the battle of Naboo where the droid army Mm -hmm. attacks Naboo and Jar Jar is in there like being like a goofy slapstick, but like somehow killing all the droids. And somebody like analyzed that whole thing. and was like, "It's a, this is clearly him mm-hmm. being like a master fighter, pretending, you know, like a, like in a Jackie Chan movie or whatever, where somebody would pretend like I do it like a drunken boxing st- mm-hmm. type thing. Like, oh, oh, it's just me drunk. <laughs> and then like beat everybody. Yeah. right." <laughs> That's Jar Jar, Sith Lord Jar Jar.
1: <laughs> Actually, that kind of reminds me. there's a there's a big fight scene in Today's episode of The Mandalorian, where you know all the mandor Mandalorians, they go to Navarro. They're they're fighting people, and you also have the armorer fighting. And she's like, the armorer is the armorer, and so she doesn't really have weapons. She just beats the shit out of people with various armory.
0: Yes, with various tools. She
1: just beats people.
0: Yes, here take a t- take a tongs to the face. Right, she
1: just puts a hammer to somebody's head. Yeah. Like everyone else is like pew pew pew, and they've got like. You know, the the little the little shootout rope things and all that good stuff. She's just like, no, nah, I'm just going to beat the shit out of you. Hammer. hammer.
0: Yeah, <laughs> ham, just hammer.
1: Bam. <laughs>
0: uh, above Average Joe, I've heard other theories that they're setting up Thrawn as his own independent villain and they're going to basically ignore the sequels. That is absolutely possible. You know, an- yet another, if we're, if we're on this topic, which we are, yet another uh, large name departure from the film division of Lucasfilm, Damon Lindelof who was making a big movie or whatever, he's, he left the list of people who have left Star Wars mm-hmm. is like, it's like a, it has bigger names than the list of people who have made Marvel movies. Like just the list of people who are like signed on to do Star Wars and then left. It's just, it's unbelievable. And um, I don't know what Damon Lindelof's most recent project was, but there was a pattern Whereas they would like announce someone who was like on a high, right? Then they would make a movie that some people didn't love or whatever. They would act some gone, just gone. It's unbelievable, and especially after you know all the sequels that were like plan, just plan, plan. And they're clearly if you hire and fire people like they're fucking right. dirty socks, and and not just any people. Right, like we're talking, like it's all big names: Patty Jenkins, mm-hmm. Lord and Miller. You know, like it was uh, now and now. There's like the t- people said to me, like, what do you, what, the, what do you think the chances are that Taika Waititi is gonna still make his Star Wars thing? I was like, zero percent. I think yeah. he's still making interviews about it and stuff, but he made Thor: Love and Thunder, which people didn't like. And like I said, if you follow Kathleen Kennedy's pattern, if you a, a director that's everybody hyped about, but then makes a movie that people don't kind of don't like. That's it. They're done with them. I'm telling you, you heard it here first.
1: Plus, I just I don't think Watiti really fits into the current kind of like Star Wars aesthetic. Like I don't know I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know how I don't even know how that would work. Now, Lindelof, I would take a Lindelof Star Wars movie. Yeah, absolutely. Any damn day. Absolutely.
0: And you're right, Taika Waititi, especially now, because he's now he's bec- that's why Thor Love and Thunder wasn't great. It was too Taika Watiti. And you're right. I do think that people are more like they they're, they thirst more for like this kind of stuff stuff that they get emotionally involved in and they're kind of excited about and not like a, oh, I'm going to undercut this with a joke. <laughs> I'm a, right, silly, yeah, I'm a silly
1: alien. <laughs> yeah, we don't. I mean, it's not like there's not jokes in, you know, Andor and Mandalorian and Boba Fett and. Obi-Wan and all of the other shows that are going to be coming out, but it's not that vibe. And Mm
0: -hmm. Tiger Waititi can also make a fucking movie. I mean, again, like Jojo Rabbit, I have a whole thing that I could talk about Jojo Rabbit, about how it's like one of the, like I've never, I don't think I can think of an example of a movie that won me over more as I was watching it than Jojo Rabbit. I went in like, fuck this movie. Mm -hmm. And by the end I was like, this movie's genius. That is really hard. It's a lot easier for a movie that you kind of walk in expecting to like to blow you away. I was like, nah, nah, I'm going to actively try to dislike this movie. And I failed miserably.
1: But it's also it's like it's a really kind of goofy, surreal movies. And I don't that's not really the vibe. That Disney's going with Star Wars for right now. You know
0: what? What is the vibe? That's the thing. In their it, movies, I don't know what the vibe is they're going for. Filoni and Favreau with their whole TV thing, the animated stuff, the show stuff, they feel like they they know what they're doing. They're, mm-hmm. It feels like there's a concept here. This is all going to tie into the Ahsoka show. Mm-hmm. Filoni has already proven his ability to like tie together it's called the Filoni-verse <laughs> for a reason, right? And so now they're saying like Thrawn, it's tied to Ahsoka, and Ahsoka is tied to Ezra, which is tied mm-hmm. back to the cartoons. They know what they're doing. They got a map. I'm Filoni has a cork board. I'm sure. Right. Kathleen Kennedy no cork board. She has a dart board, <laughs> not a cork board, with like the the picture of the most recent person she hired.
1: <laughs> right. It, it's like I guess it's just it's. It'll be interesting to see how they integrate what is going on with Disney plus and the Faloniverse with the movies because I feel like the everything that's happening on Disney plus people have fairly well received it I mean obviously the Mandalorian very popular I think Andor was kind of a sleeper at the beginning but then a lot of people if, if I mean it's it's slow to start I'm not gonna lie you you gotta you gotta invest a little bit in Andor for it to start really get going but once you do it's good yeah. Like
0: the- <laughs> Anyone else find it hilarious that the Mandalorians use a talking hammer whenever their meetings? Yeah, it's like the conch shell. <laughs> <laughs>
1: excuse me, excuse me. I have the talking hammer right now. Steve, it's still my time, Steve.
0: We agreed on the rules beforehand. Mm-hmm. Only you can only talk if you have the talking hammer.
1: Like, excuse, excuse me. It's still my time. It's still my time. <laughs> Please stop interrupting me.
0: May <laughs> I finish? Can I finish? Speaker, finish. speaker. Mr. Speaker, I do not yield my time. I'm not yielding my time, nor my hammer. (laughs) I'm going to filibust your head open with this hammer. Oh, my
1: God. (laughs) I'm done with you.
0: (laughs) But uh, so anyway, a lot of, like I said, a lot of emotional investment in what's going on Mm -hmm. in the tv averse and movies, there's nothing. There's nothing going on right now, Right. DC hired James Gunn. They announced a whole big slate of things. They're wiping their slate clean. They're doing stuff. Marvel is in a mm. weird situation right now. But Ooh,
1: they but, are in a weird situation right now. But
0: I'll tell you what mm. though, they're now they're slowly, I mean, with Jonathan Majors, but but mm. set that aside for a second. Right. Um their big guns are there's are slowly gonna roll out over the next couple of years. Like the movies that mm-hmm. they had coming out, like and man, even Wakanda Forever. I think the second if you want to be cynical about it sans chadwick Bozeman, it was always gonna be like a, a like chasing the dragon kind of situation and try to 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 do make the most of it if he were still alive it would have been one of the biggest movies they've ever done and it's not even like there's you know it's like not, not even a doubt in my mind
1: and it was still a big movie
0: it was still pretty big. It was mm-hmm. still pretty big. Um, uh, let me see. Let me, let me pop up their uh, MCU upcoming movies. Because forget the TV shows, the second Loki or whatever. Okay, so you got Guardi- Guardians 3, right? Right. That's a big one. Because, again, James Gunn, he's lead. That's his last one. Uh. It's the last, it's the last uh, thing. The Marvels. When, eh.
1: when, when does Guardians 3 come out? Because I need to make sure that I have, like, all the waterproof all of makeup. The, all <laughs> of the tissues. Yeah, uh, May, uh, all of the tissues. May, May 5th. I will bring tissues for myself and everybody else.
0: Yeah, got your Secret Invasion. You got your The Marvels mm-hmm. Echo series, whatever Loki series, Ironheart series. We need movie. We need movie. So Captain America for eh, Thunderbolts. So that's next July. So yeah, ne- and that's a big one. They brought Harrison Ford in, whatever. Um, and you're gonna like you get your like Deadpool three, Fantastic Four into 2025. Meanwhile Star Wars they have like nothing
1: announced. Right. I mean, I, they don't have any movie projects on the horizon right now, right? I mean, it's all just I mean, they have a a whole slate of Disney Plus shows. I, I it's they have everybody's getting a show. Yeah, I mean, everybody getting a show. Yeah, <laughs> and I
0: mean, it's it's good that they're I mean, that that's if you want to if you want to point to one Which... good thing that they're doing is yeah, that they're riding on what they're doing right now. They're like, let's not get distracted for a second, we can set movies aside. We can make, we could not right. make a star Wars movie for 10 years if we want. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, they obviously can't afford to do that business wise because they need, it's a brand yeah, that needs to they, be,
1: they need to make money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it is interesting how, like I'm interested to see in the Ashoka show, how they handle that. Because again, filling in backstory and especially like backstopping the prequels and stuff like that, I would imagine that show i mean there is a distinct end point to that show where and i don't i is it really even spoilery at this point to say that anakin was her Padawan learner like
0: no it is not
1: right because
0: so, i'll tell you why because in uh in in book of boba fett where we meet her, where she meets mm-hmm. luke
1: she does mention it yeah
0: so much like your father she says Mm -hmm. do do we know that he was her paddle?" i mean again it's from the animated series that's the thing like we have a lot of and yeah people question whether or not the ahsoka show will have like flashbacks will hayden Christensen be back again i mean i hope so again another make good it was a shame that's why i was disappointed in obi-wan i thought they would have more like of the time that they show me more of anakin right being anakin
1: I was fine with Obi-Wan just being about Obi-Wan because again like I said it's it's filling in gaps of what we already know to exist. So it was like okay what was Obi-Wan doing all these years on Tatooine when he was keeping an eye on Anakin? Like what did he do all day? Now we know. And so like I don't I don't mind it on that level, but I I it would be weird to me to do an Ashoka show and not cover that point where Anakin was her Padawan learner and everything that happened with that, which caused her to break with the Jedi. And so you kind of can't tell her story without doing that. So I'm, I'm curious to see how exactly they're going to pick it up, but yeah, it's like the Filoni verse is really, really invested in kind of tying the movies and especially the prequels in To kind of, like you said, kind of make good on them because like literally nobody likes the prequels. Well now, I
0: mean, that's not true anymore. That's the thing. Uh, That's the thing. Like there's a lot of prequels and I, yeah, I do think that a lot of fans of the animated series appreciate the prequels more. They know more about it. They know more about what happened with Obi-Wan and with Anakin. And I mean, good for them. Like I'm not, I don't know if I want to get invested now in the animated shows. I'm not super into it, but I might not need to as much because they're going to start bleeding important stuff from that. And then, yeah, if you, if you want to go follow a trail of some kind of story that mm-hmm. seems interesting, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, so, I mean, it's interesting. I'm interested to see where it's going to go. And I personally, I like Mandalorian. I liked Boba Fett. I liked Obi-Wan. I like Andor. I like all of it. Do you have to watch it? No. Is it fun? Yes. And 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 I've made this point about the MCU, where you pretty much have to watch everything to understand everything. But yeah, I mean, it's a, the Mandalorian is a very good show. Yeah. You and gotta watch yes.
0: Jonathan Majors. Arrest video, oh. understand? <laughs> it's like, wh- wait, why is uh, why is Kang all of a sudden played by a, a previous actor? Oh, you got to watch the you oh, got, you, you... so you got to watch Loki season two, and <laughs> then you got to watch
1: the Jonathan Matrix arrest video. <laughs> you got to watch the body cam footage. <laughs> okay, so you have to watch Quantum Media, and then you can watch <laughs> the body cam footage, and then but don't miss the end credit scene in Quantum Media because that's going to explain why we have a new Kang.
0: Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right, I think I think on that note we are uh, we're gonna like wrap up uh, this episode of uh, All Crossed Out. Uh, not much to discuss. So, uh, Easter Sunday is coming up. It's not this week. It's no, next yeah, week. Yes, yeah, next so week. We'll- – We'll we'll deal with that when it comes. Uh, Whatever. Stay tuned for an extremely dark, morose episode of Ambitious Crossover Attempt on Monday. (laughs) But until then, uh, yeah, what's what's, what's up, Jen?
1: Okay, so obviously you're here. You know where to find us on Wednesday nights. But obviously Wednesday nights, 8.30 Eastern, you can catch us live on the call-in app. You can always participate. You can participate in chat. You can call in. Our main podcast, Ambitious Crossover Attempt. Drops on Mondays and you can find it on all your podcast catchers. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at AMBX over. You can find me on Twitter at that Monroe, and on Substack at jenmonroe.substack.com.
0: I am neon taster on Twitter and also twitch.tv slash neon and youtube.com slash I reversed them even though I was going to say tears of the kingdom on Twitch. It's going to happen. Streaming. May 12th. It's a Friday night. We're going to do a whole party drinks uh Zelda stream. We'll we'll promote it as it comes. Yeah. Anyway, thanks a lot. Jen, have a good night, guys. We'll see you next week.
1: Thanks, Noam. Good night, everybody.